up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 67 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. Oh, hey, it's me. I'm here to make Pete's heart hurt. Um, Squirtle's bad. <laughs> you know, 67 episodes, 50 more before that on a different show. You think the guy would come up with a new, a new bit, a new line, anything? He's just, he's just, he's just happy to just show up and just give me the bare minimum every week, hey, and listen, that's what I depend listen, on. Listen, when more than the bare minimum will make your heart hurt as much as the truth that Squirtle's bad, <laughs> I'll start trying harder. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, also joining us today is the Edgelord with the Heart of Gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey, see, I won't break your heart, but I'll make it crack. So. <laughs> Damn. Jesus. Is that right? So, all right. Uh, third time's the charm, maybe. My only real friend in the show, uh, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. I'm not here to break hearts, crack them, or anything like that. I'm here to talk smash. There we go. <laughs> and that's what I like to hear. And rounding out our fearsome fivesome today is our buddy returning guest, the, what, is this your fourth, fifth appearance something on the like show that. now? It's something like that, man. I don't know. I got to keep track of these one day on a spreadsheet or something. <laughs> <laughs> but the man, the myth, the legend, our boy Ed from the Party What's Nerds. up, guys? How's it going, man? I Trust me, I collect enough hearts and video games enough to not break them, so I think we'll be okay. <laughs> All right, you got enough for the both of us. Yeah. It's good. That's why I bring Ed on this show. You know, he he knows about Nintendo. He gets my back. It's mm-hmm. just this, this is why we got to bring. Him I get on to be the counterbalance for the show sometimes. <laughs> he brings balance to the force instead of you know the three of you or the two of you. Sean's he's he's chaotic neutral, <laughs> but uh, you two are happy to lead the show into darkness. <laughs> But uh, I, I'm happy to be back this week because after the long, long summer drought of there being nothing to fucking talk about, <laughs> I, there was so much shit this week I had to cut stuff. So, Guys, uh, uh, we've gotta... I just want to make it known that during the long summer drought, Pete fucked right off and left your boy to deal with coming up with the news <laughs> and the notes. So damn, don't dude, feel bad for Pete and the drought. He was, I don't know, he dried up too. I was I was off somewhere in a nice oasis while Andy's you know crawling his way through the desert just looking for <laughs> any drop of news that he can bring to the show. Uh, but yeah, we've we've got a jam packed show, uh, so I want to jump right into it with some reader mail. Uh, starting off with uh, two comments over on our YouTube channel from our boy Snake of Talons, aka Number One Pal Fan oh, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, our boy Jimmy got some comments for us on episode 63 of the show uh, where he wrote in and said, I see how it is. I don't comment on one video and suddenly I'm not the favorite. Just kidding. I love you guys. I'm glad to see another fan getting good recommendations out of my favorite podcast. And then funny enough, Jimmy wrote in again this morning uh, about 10 minutes before uh, like I was getting everything together for the show. And he goes, oh, I totally forgot to mention this in my original comment. Gary Oak is too confident. That child is definitely not a boy. Someone made him a, le- a man a long time ago. Hashtag Gary Oak fucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is why Jimmy's the number one. This, this is, why, go ahead. is this why Misty always dishes Ash? exactly he's got the confidence of a man this has got to stop okay we cannot (laughs) engage in conversation about a 10 year old child's 
sexual activity. Gary Oak is a young boy learning about himself and uh, his body. He already learned. He, wait, listen, oh man, let's, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. In the Pokemon world, this man drives a car. So, I mean, we, we, that 10 year old, we can only assume maybe. Maybe he's a 10 year old well, in the, the mind thing. or something. My thing is, he doesn't drive the car. It seems like it's always a, a, a gaggle of teenage girls driving him around. So, what does that say it to you? It says Sean? that he has a fan base, but that nothing else is happening. <laughs> he has groupies. Let's get it straight. They have a, oh, so they have a like- countdown clock until he turns 18 that they look at religiously. <laughs> but that's all. So, he's, he's, he's basically the, Pokemon's universe, the Pokemon universe equivalent of Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, where there's a lot of adult women who have creepy interests in him, and we're all just like, whoa. Well, the <laughs> difference <laughs> is that you are encouraging this. No, 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 and I want to make that really clear, Sean. I'm, I never encouraged it. I never said Gary Oak should fuck. I'm just saying he does. There's no fuck. evidence to that. So you were reading he into has it ten because badges. that's what you want, and you created I, a hashtag. Jimmy seems it. to agree. What? J- I didn't create the the hashtag. Yeah, you guys use it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> just cause well, okay, alright, listen. Just cause I threw it out there, it's the people that gave it legs, You're all Sean. Awful. <laughs> anyway, uh thanks for writing in Jimmy. We always love hearing from you. Uh and hashtag Gary Oak oh does my God. <laughs> So then uh, we got another piece of uh reader mail. This one came uh over from our Gmail account where you guys can write in the video game pals at gmail.com. This one comes from our pal Tyler Olson of the Longbox Podcast, who wrote in with a random question of the week awesome. for the show. So, Tyler writes in and says, In honor of the launch of the newest World of Warcraft expansion, Battle for Azeroth, this week, what character would you roll as? What? Fa- and then he says, faction, race, class, spec. So, he wants us to go through, like, the whole, you know, the whole bit of it. And uh, he says, also for Sean, you have to pick a Horde character. Ooh. Thanks, guys. Oh, no. Loctar Ogar, Sylvanas' bay. <laughs> <laughs> What what does Loctar Ogar mean? I don't it's even know orc. what it means because it's orcish. So yeah, yeah. Okay. They just they've said it for well, like you know thirty years since like Warcraft one. Some horde, <laughs> some horde shit. I get it. All right. Well, um, all right. So, Sean, do you want to start? Since you have to, you you've been given a specific qualifier here. Give us all a second, Tyler. First of all, man, I don't like the fact that you're putting me in this position. You understand very well how I feel about the Horde. I don't roll like that. But for you, given that you sent in the question, I will honor you by answering. Uh, And it's a very simple and obvious answer. If I had to play Horde, I would be a Blood Elf Paladin. Uh, I I don't like Blood Elves. I think they're lame. But they are really, really good. Arcane Torrent (laughs) is probably the best um, racial in the game. And... uh, if, if I was Horde, my guild would be even better because we'd have Arcane Torrent. So I, I, would, roll, I would roll Blood Off Paladin. And as far as Sylvanas goes, listen, man. Sylvanas is awful. She's pure evil at this point. I don't know why she has become this way. They've been building towards it for years. I think we're probably going to kill her this expansion. And I really don't want to because on some level, you're right. Maybe she is Bay, But... I can't overlook the awful things that she's done. And if we are presented with a scenario in which she must die, I will revel in that. Because she burned down the world tree. And that's unforgivable. 
Wow, you God, burned down the world tree one time, and Sean's like, oh, I can't forgive you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Listen, Sean, I burned down the world tree last week. You're still on a podcast with me, so what does that say about you? We're not friends. That's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're more than friends. We're pals. <laughs> I see what you did there. All right, so Ed, you're a guest. You want to go next? Sure. So I'm not too familiar with the World of Warcraft line. I played it for a little bit um, in college, but I'm just going through the classes and roles and everything else. Definitely, I would say I'm just going to go kind of basic. I'm just going to stay with the Alliance and go um, Human Hunter because I'm, I'm, anytime I play any oh, yeah. kind of RPG, it's always range because I hate being up close. So if you can give me some kind of gun or crossbow, absolutely, I'm going to take advantage of that. So I think that's where I'm going to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback off that, and I would definitely be a uh, a night elf hunter uh, for the same reasons. I always like to play range or, like, roguish kind of characters. And then when you do have to get up close and personal, you get to use, like, two weapons, which is badass. Um, and I always like having an animal sidekick. So, And I've always wanted to be an elf. So, hey, like, <laughs> which reasons on top of reasons on top of reasons. And that, of course, makes me a part of the Alliance because that's the only way to go. You, you actually don't get to use those up-close-and-personal weapons anymore as a hunter. Oh, yeah, really? You, you shoot when you're, even when you're up-close. Okay, well, back, yeah. in, back in my day, <laughs> back in BC, yep. uh, that's how we rolled. <laughs> you, had, you had one main hand and then an offhand, yeah. right? It was like you had a, a, like I had a, like a short sword and a dagger. You could a have a, a spear, too. You could have a few different things. I should say a pole okay. arm. Um, but, but yeah, you, sure. you were right about that back then. Yeah. The back good old the days. Day. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember specs or anything like that. So pass on that one. <laughs> it sounds like you would be, uh, marksman or beastmaster. And for the both of you, I recommend you go beastmaster because marksman is horrible right now. Ooh. I think, I think I was a beastmaster as well. Cause I was like the, the pet abilities. Yeah. So I have two answers for this question. The first one is, can I be the Mr. T class? No. From that <laughs> <The> Mohawk? <laughs> a Mohawk. Mohawk. <laughs> and the second real answer is based off this list of uh, Battle for Azeroth classes and specs, I want to play a Dwarf Brewmaster Monk because that sounds fun and I don't know shit about WoW. <laughs> well, you can be a dwarf who makes beer, so that sounds pretty good for you. Exactly. Well, if you did that, you would be playing the best tank in the game. So Hey! See, I don't even need to know shit to be good at WoW. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Just now, I was just born natural, you know? <laughs> so what about you, Thompson? Well, uh, so I'm going to put a thorn on two people's sides today. I mean, I really like elves, but I don't like... The night elves, I like uh, blood elves because you know they were the high elves, and and then they became addicted to magic and all that bad shit. So regardless of their current situation, and regardless of how like I never thought that they should have been on the horde set anyway, I'm gonna have to pick a blood elf, and I'm gonna have to be on the horde. So strong at least we'd be blood elf brothers. Well, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but I have to go the opposite. Like I can't be a paladin, man. So I'm I'm always a warlock, you know, or I'm always like a mage if I have to. But warlock all the way. So I want to make. I don't know. Can they still do warlock for blood elves? Can they be warlocks? Um, I if not, think then I'm going so. mage. I, I think so. They can be mages, though. right? They definitely can be mages. 
Okay. Well, either magic-y thing, yes, but not a paladin. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's the most magic-y class. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense thematically. They're addicted to magic, right? So it's like, screw it. Yeah. Why not? Definitely. Cool. All right, well, Tyler, thanks so much for uh, for writing in uh, again. And remember, if you guys want to write in and let us know what you're playing this week, hit us up with your own random question of the week, or just want to hear your thoughts right on the air, uh, you can uh, drop us online at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Hit us in the comments down below like Jimmy did, or follow our sister show at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, and uh, keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing here at The Pals Network. And... Um, <clears throat> Before we get into uh, the rest of the show proper, let me tell you where you can find us around the web. If you're an audio listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you guys would give us a like on your platform of choice. Uh, or if you really want to help us out, you can head over to Apple Podcasts, where we're currently a five-star rated show, and give us one of those sweet, sweet ratings. And uh, if you're a YouTube viewer, you guys can help us out by uh, liking this video, subscribing to the channel if you haven't already, and uh, clicking that notification bell so that you actually maybe get an alert when our videos go up. <laughs> Uh, but that's what Twitter's for, so make sure you're following us there as well. And um, as Sean likes to say, uh, these things cost uh, you a lot less than they help us. Um, they're absolutely wow. free to do. They really do help the show get recognized. You said what? they cost you a lot less than they help us. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a screen for profit? They, what? what? I did I, did no, I mess it wait. up? Is that... That, that just sounds <laughs> crazy to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm bugging <laughs> It's free for you, and it really helps there the show. Go. And last but not least, the best thing you guys can do to help us out is uh, if you've got a friend out there that's a gamer that you think might enjoy the show, uh, just let them know about it. Share the show with them. See if they want to come become a pal as well. Um, so with that, I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! All right! So, finally, finally... We got some fucking news, you guys. <laughs> and I'm I'm like Walter Cronkite and I'm ready to snort that shit right up Whoa. my nose. So let's get, <laughs> let's kick things off with some of the big Wait, wait, did you just compare yourself to Walter Cronkite because you're he gonna did. talk about a bunch of video game press releases? <laughs> and we're doing coke? Hey, yeah, apparently yes. Wait, I, dude, yes, listen, I yes, wasn't prepared yes, for this when I was yes. told to come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ed, we all know you know how to party. It's on your hat. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. That brings like, a- uh, no, no, matter of fact, here, I'm just going to do this. This is my. This is the actual show right here. That brings right a here. whole new definition of party nerds. Yeah, yeah, it does. Oh, Pete, God. This is why you weren't here for two weeks. You were chosen uh, <laughs> yeah. for the, the crushed up news. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was out there searching for it. <laughs> So uh, let's let's just jump into what I thought was one of the most exciting pieces of news this week. Why Ed wanted to come on the show. Why Sean's excited. Nintendo's Smash Direct. We got thirty minutes of just nonstop announcements, similar to their uh, E3 presentation. I thought even better this time around. Um, and yeah, so I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, so we open it up with that that Luigi reveal, Luigi R.I.P. Man. I mean, hey, you know, no, 2018. Nintendo confirmed run. Luigi is okay. Somehow, well, how? Yeah. I don't know, but Nintendo <laughs> confirmed it. it they notably fun. did not confirm that Mario and Mega Man are okay after E3, though. So they're still dead. Oh, okay. So, so that's I, I guess that's let's let's start the conversation here. Do you guys think that Nintendo has a resonant necromancer that was able to bring Luigi back from the dead and return him to this mortal coil? It looks like Luigi's soul was just, like, temporarily separated, and 
had that thing not shown up at the end to scare him, he would have been okay. Like, you think I, he was just so spooked, his soul left his yeah, body? Yeah, you've never been that spooked that you, right. like, you know, had an out-of-body experience? For some casual astral protection. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. I mean, Doctor Strange right, could do I, it. Yeah. Why, why can't you? You can't, you can't, you can't fly through walls? Yeah, come on now. I, you know, that's why I play Hunter, you guys. I don't really have many magical oh, abilities. Right, right. He's just a ranged guy, so that's why I'm asking you. Yeah. That's cool. That's right. Luigi's new Glad final smash is okay. his soul takes over another player, and he can like, run you off the edge or something. <laughs> I think Reggie might <laughs> Reggie might be able to res Luigi. Reg, Reggie himself has already been resed, so. <laughs> yeah. So do, he has all the power. I think. I feel like Reggie would be like a priest or a paladin, though, not like hey, a necromancer. Reggie right? hides some dark paladins. stuff, man. He's, yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. I think Reggie hides some real I, dark shit, that. man. He, he's, he's, come on, he's way too much what the people asked for out of nowhere. It's kind of like they, they no, raised, think... like, you know, a great president out of the dirt, and they were just like, you need to lead this country again, you know? <laughs> like, Reggie, you're going to take Nintendo think... of America. Reggie's like, he's like Qui-Gon Jinn. Like, he, he might have, like, flirted with the dark side at one point, but, like, his soul was, was pure, and he was able to find the light again and, and lead Nintendo uh, into another great era. Hmm. And what's, Sok- anyway, what's Sakurai, then, in that comparison? I, like, fucking Jesus? I don't know. <laughs> That's not a class. No, I, I see uh, Sakurai in this comparison is, like, Yoda in Empire Strikes Back. Like, the old master who's still gonna troll the shit out of you. Yeah, pretty much. That yeah, sounds about right. If, but if he was still in his 30s, <laughs> his his soul is just way older Maybe. because every Smash game adds about fucking 15 years to his life. Hey, we don't know. He's so He looks so young. Maybe he is still in his 30s. We don't know. When 900 years old you are, look so good you will not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that, that little bit with Luigi led to uh, the reveal – that uh, Simon Belmont would be joining the fight. So, uh, Thompson, your your prayers were, like, kind of answered here. I mean, yeah, it's like anytime I ask for something, I pretty much get it. Like, I'm basically Seinfeld in my way through this, you know, throw $20 out the window and you get it back, you know, just casually put it out there. Like, <laughs> Simon would be neat, you know, that's cool. And then, you know, Sakurai heard my prayers. Yeah, it looks so. cool. Two weeks later, Sakurai's like, guess what? I, I follow you on Twitter, buddy. <laughs> I'm not asking for too much. I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, half a million dollars would be great to have by next week, you know, mm. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> sometimes you get what you want if you ask the universe kindly. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and you certainly got it here, right? 34 uh, tracks. You see Simon, like, it seems like he's definitely inspired by um, kind of like the OG Castlevania games. Like, they said that he has the longest range in Smash with his whip. Uh, we saw him, like, pull out a couple other classic Castlevania weapons, like tossing an axe and uh, knock Pac-Man off a ledge. And, uh, like, you could do that on with, the like, 3DS, the, um, too. What's that, like, fire with starting charge? The holy water? Getting, like, yep. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah the holy water. Um, it, so no, like, you know, it, definitely it, 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 a, lot a lot of, of classic tracks, Castlevania vibes here. Really. Uh, Richter is an Echo Fighter. So I, is that cool, Thompson? Yeah. Like, I don't really know shit about Richter. Are you excited about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's, dude, he's just a Belmont. Like, in the game that he's in, he does his own thing, his own story, but he's the same right. attacks. He's got a whip, you know, like, whatever. So, it's cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, sweet. Um, and then we also uh, got the announcement that Dracula's Castle is going to be the, the level representation for Castlevania and that Dracula would appear as a boss character. And uh, Alucard, who is like Thompson's favorite character, would also be making an assistant uh, an appearance as an assist trophy. Yeah, uh, so I'm really excited about that because both Richter and Alucard are from the same game anyway. So it's like the Symphony of Love, or Symphony of Love, Symphony of the Night's Love is is very real for this. Um, it's it's just beautiful for what I wanted, man. I'm super happy about it. And like 
the Dracula stage is really fucking fun. I don't know if you guys like saw that thing. Like, yeah, it looks great. It looks, looks awesome. like so much fun to play on. Yeah, I feel like aside from them actually making Alucard like a playable fighter, this is like the best you could have hoped for as a Castlevania. It is. Fan. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, the other thing for Castlevania fans is th- one of the things they really spotlighted during that is all the music that they have for Castlevania. There's like yeah. 34 different yeah, tracks like, just for this one stage yeah. alone, 34 tracks, which is insane to think about. Yeah, it speaks volumes about – because I, I know like, later on they said that there's 900 tracks yeah. in the whole game and that you can use your Switch as like an MP3 player to listen to all of <laughs> them. And I was like, oh, that's the fucking greatest thing. Somebody I heard online. Um, okay, but, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, really? that is true. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't. It didn't have nine hundred fucking tracks. Yeah. Huh. Dude, we're going back and to like the they, Walkman I, days. It's insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, so those of you who aren't Thompson, what did you guys think about the announcement of Simon as uh, as the news fighter? I, it looks really cool. I'll, I I'm definitely happy for Simon Belmont because it's, it's really like the true third party, if you will. Because um, you you haven't seen a lot of Castlevania love on Nintendo systems recently, but I know that's where. The series got its start with the old school, with the original trilogy yeah. on NES. Uh, I know they're it's got lineage there. Yeah, Super Castlevania, which is Simon's inspiration, um, is what they're using for his characters. Super Castlevania Four, and then of course now you got Symphony of the Night getting representation, which is like one of the most beloved in the series, and where like all a lot of the Castlevania lineage has gone to, which is that Symphony of the Night style. So with, with Alucard and Richter as well. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited for this. Yeah, I think this is awesome. Uh, I think it's it's in some ways overdue. Uh, I don't mean that as a critique, but I, agree. I think um, you know th- this is this is very cool that that there's finally some Castlevania representation in Smash. I, I've never really it's cared like about the only Castlevania, two characters Konami has at this point, right? Like, I understand the the, the next representation and, and Konami relevant, could get so in Smash Four is Earth, I was excited on that Smash front, Ultimate and plus the character looks cool. He looks, like, so different, you know, like, than any other fighter. <laughs> and uh, I totally agree with you there. Like, Simon Richter, I've Snake. never been a major Castlevania guy. Um, you know, I've, I've played, like, one or two of them yep. and uh, not even to completion. But um, it's, like, the legacy of Castlevania is, like, a big deal in gaming. And, like, especially with Nintendo, you know? Like, that was one of the series on the NES, you know? And, like, I've always thought, like, Simon felt right at home in in the smash cast you know and i i kind of predicted that he was going to come around in smash 4 um so i had kind of given up hope you know like i know we talked about it a, a while back when we like talked about our wish list and i was like i feel like simon makes sense like he could always sneak in there but to like actually see it and see this much representation across this the franchise um is awesome and i'm surprised about this infinity of the night representation honestly because that was a playstation game you know like that's not one of the f- fucking four really major Castlevania games that have Nintendo lineage. You know, they really thought about, like, Castlevania as a franchise, I think. Which is cool, because there's obviously a ton of people out there that love Castlevania that are hungry for it to get some love, you know? Um, so it's fucking awesome. And the last thing I got Castlevania-related was playing Metal Gear Survive, where I got the Konami music. So that's how little I got. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was kind of surprising to see two Konami characters. That was the one thing that made me think he might not be in it but like here we go oh yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah, if it's not an assist trophy already, I don't know. Yeah, because so far we got Simon Richter, you got Snake, and then you got Alucard and Bomberman as assist trophies. Uh, that's yeah. pretty much their whole game. That's pretty much the whole. Like, yeah. I, I think Bomberman could also be a fighter. Like, I was always kind of surprised he never made the jump to like mm-hmm. full fledged fighter. Um, and not to say that we won't in the future. Who knows, right? Like what the future holds, but. Uh, I am, like, if for me, if it was Bomberman or Simon, I'd rather it be Simon. Yeah. You know, like, Simon, I think, just definitely, you know, Castlevania deserves that nod. Castlevania fans deserve this. Especially, like, with, they, they, especially <laughs> with all the love that's coming later in the year with the uh, season two for Netflix. Yeah, it this makes a lot perfect. of sense. Yes! It's perfect. For, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, for, especially, like, for, for somebody who hasn't played Castlevania much at all, I fucking loved that show. So, yeah, yeah this is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good show's so a good awesome. show, man. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah, right. It just happens to be that it's Um, tied to a video game, and like somehow, like it wasn't shit. So (laughs) they just they just cared. Yeah, they got it right. Um, I forget. It's uh, what's his name? Uh, Andy, you probably know the guy. I'm talking. Is it Avi Shankar? I I think it's something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, he's the producer of that show, and he's also the guy who was behind that like gritty Power Rangers reboot thing that they did on YouTube like a couple years ago. It's like he just he gets it. You know, he's definitely like. A legit nerd that's just also like a solid filmmaker slash producer so it's like got a good team there uh fucking isn't warren ellis writes it too it's like yeah uh no surprise that show's good um but anyway so moving along uh we got crom and dark samus confirmed as echo fighters and uh, uh crom's so weird that they're calling him an echo fighter and it i'm really confused why is that they're so they're calling him an echo of roy um, okay. In the video, he's got a bunch of Roy's moves. He's got Ike's recovery, and he's got a handful of Marth's aerials. So he's kind of an echo of like all three of them. Yeah, but he's got like a ton of Fire Emblem moves, like rolled into one different move set than any one of them. That's interesting. But they're still calling him an Echo Fighter, and which is like that's not an e- or that is an Echo Fighter, but like Doctor Mario isn't. Dr. Mario isn't? No, Dr. Mario is a regular fighter. He's not an Echo. Weird. Okay, yeah, that doesn't make any sense then. I was going to say, like, I feel like this definitely seems like their excuse to be like, we're adding another Fire Emblem character, but it's just an Echo. Don't yell at us. Like, Yeah, same with, like, Dr. Mario. Fire Emblem characters, Sakurai. Yeah, Dr. Mario and Pichu are not Echoes either. Yeah, I I always thought that Pichu, but, like, I guess because Pichu has the damage mechanic and everything, but, like... Like Falco and Wolf are in, but they're very different than Fox. Yeah, I mean they they play totally different. Yeah. I don't know shit about especially Crom, Falco though. now. Yeah, like they've definitely like continued to like make the differences between Falco and Fox like matter like more and more. I feel like too. Um, but yeah, I, it, it that is kind of weird. It's weird that he's an Echo Fighter and none of those other people that we described that are like light clones. Like none yeah. of them are are considered Echoes. Like that is kind of strange. Um, but I also, I thought that the, uh, the adjustable Echo Fighter character screen thing, I thought that was an interesting announcement as well. Um, I, I, I like that they're, like, giving you a lot of these, like, little quality of life kind of, like, ability to, like, edit how things are displayed and what your defaults are. Like, I remember they were like, oh, like, I, the news came out that you can finally set, like, a stock match as your default instead of time. And I'm like, little things like that make me so excited, you know? I forgot like, about that. Yeah. That's huge. <laughs> that's yeah, cool. that's big. Um, but how do we feel about Crom and Dark Samus as add additions to the roster? Dark Samus, ah. I really like. Crom, it's like, uh, I mean, 
I'm a little, yeah. I'm a little over the Fire Emblem stuff. Like, there's so many Fire Emblem characters already. I feel like that's a spot that could go to. I would, I really wanted to see um, Knuckles or you know somebody like that. Um, and the fact that we just got another echo of a Fire Emblem character, it's like, ah, come on. Well, I know, uh, speaking of the Knuckles thing, there was the whole rumor that when they replaced Shadow with Knuckles as the Sonic Assist Trophy, there was a whole rumor about Shadow being the next Echo, which right now is still untrue. But yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from. It seems like Fire Emblem to this point, after it got its like cult representation in Melee, where I was like, oh my god, you know, Nintendo recognizes that American fans love Fire Emblem, so that's why they threw in uh martha and roy in the original melee now it's just kind of gotten overkill yeah. with smash 4 and then now with crom being an echo in uh smash Boo. ultimate Boo. <laughs> number one fire emblem fan listen boy, i have no Andy problem Brown. with fire emblem it's just like there's has, there has to be somebody else that nintendo has that you can throw in that's that's my thing is like it's it's not a matter of like disliking uh you know fire emblem it's just like the i feel like the amount of representation for that franchise is disproportionate to i mean like the other like okay i i was talking about this the other day with somebody and i just made the, the point of like it's crazy to me that there are like a comparable number of pokemon and Fire Emblem characters, because, like, granted, Fire Emblem, I would, I think you can argue, creates probably, you know, as close to as many, like, memorable and beloved characters for the people that love that series. But, like, all of them are, you know, a, a play on European-dressed anime character with, like, a sword or a book or whatever. And, like, there are 800 Pokemon so many of which could have totally different fighting styles and look totally different. And but they're relegated to assist something... <laughs> so. Yeah, right. And it's like, I just... And I'm not even saying, give me less Fire Emblem so I can have more Pokemon. It's just like, we don't have Waluigi in the game, but we're getting Krom. I'm like, definitely come on. saying that. I'm saying, I don't want any more Fire Emblem characters. I want more Pokemon. We haven't even had one. We're going to get one more. Which one? <laughs> um, I I will bet money that at some point closer to launch or as a DLC character, we get the main lord from Fire Emblem Three Houses, which launches next spring. Uh, God, yeah, I can yep. see that. Ugh. Yeah, th- and then it'll get us up to what ten? <laughs> there hasn't been a Fire Emblem game since like twenty eleven or no, like two thousand. I think seven Con- is when you mean console, Path of right? Radiant. No, I 2007's when Path of Radiance came out, I think. Whichever Ike's first game was. Um, there hasn't been a Fire Emblem game since then where the main lord is in Smash. Um, and I know that Fire Emblem is Sakurai's favorite Nintendo series. So, like, he's gonna do what he wants. He's gonna use his game that has a bigger platform to give his favorite game a bigger platform. Yep. Which is, you know, more power to them. Like, I, I, I you know, it's just... Yeah. I, no, every I, time they announce another Fire Emblem character, I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. But I think that Fire Emblem exists in a weird place where it's Nintendo's only, like, mainline series that has a, like, completely new cast of characters every time. Yeah, that's totally true. Like, there's a new iconic character made every generation of Fire Emblem. 
games. Right. And it's like it's just one of those things where at, they've gotten better at not just being Marth clones. Yes. Because, mm-hmm. like, even Roy and Marth are distinct now. And, you know, Lucina exists and is Marth, but Lucina also spends a good chunk of Fire Emblem Awakening pretending to be Marth. <laughs> We've already spent uh, more time talking about Fire I Emblem <laughs> than we should. And this is feeling like Smash. We, already sh- so we should spend more we time... Should- <laughs> talking about Castlevania than we should, so man, that's true too. <laughs> Castlevania's new, you guys. That's but the so difference. is Crab! <laughs> okay, so uh, then we also learned about uh, some new and returning stages. We're getting one for New Donk City, uh, which looks a lot of, uh, excuse me, looks like a lot of fun. Having a little trouble this morning. Uh, and then we got some classic stages returning, uh, like Melee's Fountain from Battlefield, um... Or their battle fountain take on Battlefield, I should say. Fountain of Dreams? Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. And then uh, the OG Legend of Zelda map, which is awesome. Uh, Celadon City's coming back. Like, also great. And I thought those were cool because um, they, like, made a point to say, like, how they're kind of focused on making them feel, like, nostalgic and, like, like they did. Which is a nice touch, I think. Yeah, I like that um, for everything after 64, they're doing, like, these nice, like... HD versions and modernizing them, but for the 64 ones, it's just like, no, nah, it's the Nintendo 64 map. Yeah, like, <laughs> like we we've want cleaned it to up look the like textures polygonal. a little bit, but yeah, it's still you know blocky polygons. Like I like that. What I wonder it was nice. about those maps, and maybe they mentioned it and I didn't catch it, but can you make them the Omega version? Okay. Yes. yes. Every map. Yeah, they said you can. Every map can do it. And it's the, they have the Omega and the Battlefield mm-hmm. equivalent, whatever the fuck that's called. Uh, yeah, it's just Battlefield so yeah, and that, Omega. There are the two variations. You'll have, like, the, the flat platform, flat with, like, three other ed, uh, edges like Battlefield, and then the originals. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, that's awesome. So, there's 103 vanilla stages, and then with those two modifiers that we just mentioned, you have te- you have technically over 300 different stages that you can play on, uh, which is incredible. Um, and then they also announced a couple different, like, just, like, little things you can do to kind of spice things up, like stage morphing, where you can, like, connect two levels together, and, like, it'll switch midway through the battle, which I thought that's really cool. What did you guys think about that? I think that mode makes the most sense and would make me the most happy if they put Poke Floats in this game, and so it can just, like, Final Destination turns into Poke Floats halfway through. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> That would be terrible, and I would love it. <laughs> Dude, Poke Oh god, Poke. Now, now I'm having a flashback of Poke Floats. Now, oh man, best <laughs> map in the history. I of it was really good. It was it was fun, but yeah, wild. I, I really like this idea. I just wish that it was even more customizable. I guess. In what way? Like that you could like have more layers to it, not just like put yeah, two together. Like I want, I, I wish it was, yeah. it could be random and it would go on until the match ends. Every minute a new map. Yeah, ninety nine stock. Sick. Every every minute a new map. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Who knows, man? I mean, I wouldn't put it past them for us to find out that there are like more bells and whistles with that customization than we than we maybe realize, but. Because uh, they also talked about how you can, like, you can turn off bosses now mm-hmm. and, like, a couple other little things like that, like, turn off stage hazards. You've been and, able like, to do that. 
Yeah, you Smash could? Four. You could you you could play the Omega really? version for all the maps as well. Well, no, but you can you can turn that stuff off and not play the Omega. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So if you wanted to play, you know, uh, that diamond and platinum one that had the two levels or whatever like you can still have the different flow but you don't have to worry about palkia or dialga fucking flipping the stage oh, or whatever oof i hated that when yeah. i played it in brawl i was just like we were pl- yeah. i remember when i played brawl for the first time a friend of mine imported the japanese copy and we did the uh-huh. um oh, sky pillar stage that's what it was called and we were like okay yes. yeah this stage could be fun and you, we, we saw topsy-turvy a little bit and we're like now nah, i could still be competitive and next thing you know it goes upside down we're like no this is not competitive anymore we're done <laughs> not happening yep yeah so i i think that's a really cool addition too because like there are levels like Mega Man's level where it's just like if you just get rid of the boss it's just a normal platform in front of wily's castle you know and it's like cool um so that's 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 tight uh, and then we also got uh, some some news about like new and returning modes. Uh, there's a squad strike mode, which has five v five and three v three elimination style battles. Um, there's a new tournament mode, uh, smashdown mode, where like basically you pick a, a, a section of fighters, and like previously selected fighters won't be able to be chosen in the next battle. So like players who play multiple characters definitely have an advantage there. Um, and then there's going to be updates to training mode. Classic mode is back, which I'm really excited about. Uh, were any of these standouts to you guys? I liked the the squad strike mode because, like, I know crew battles are a thing that the Smash community's been doing a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool to have that sort of codified and yeah. implemented in a, a cool way in the game. I like the Smashdown mode a lot because, like, it's cool to just force people to change onto new characters. Mm-hmm. And training mode looks awesome. Uh, just There's so much of, more depth. Yep, it kind of feels like the training mode that you would see in games like a Street Fighter, where it's just kind of like the blank, the blank background. But it also kind of updates your statistics for different moves that you hit, so you can kind of see how they, you know, how far the distance goes when you do certain moves, whether it's zero, current, or 100. percent So that way, you kind of it's very, very like frame driven. That you kind of see a lot of players doing um, Street Fighter, but now in Smash as well. So it gets a lot more. Um, specific, which is going to be a lot of fun. Smashdown is going to be fun just because it's kind of like a, that elimination style. Like, how good am I with every character? So it kind of makes you learn them all. And then the squad strike is probably going to be like the mode that you'll see a lot played as like a side tournament, at, like Evo. You'll see like three v three smash actually work. So the the this is the best thing I think about all these announcements because Smash is unique in the fighting game space. And I love that they're leaning in to what makes them unique and providing you with different ways to play competitively. More ways to play competitively than any other fighting game out there. And then also, with the training mode, leaning into what makes Smash unique, giving you a training mode that tells you, like, how far is this character going to fly when you hit them? That's really valuable information in a game like this. You don't really need to know that specifically in, like, Street Fighter because it doesn't work the same. You don't knock people away in, in the same way. Um, but for Smash, it makes perfect sense. So to get that is, just like, a really a push competitively. The average player doesn't, get, doesn't care how far somebody's going to fly when you hit them. This is obviously aimed at the competitive... Uh, scene and I love the fact that they're providing that kind of information. So I, I think all of this is fantastic. 
Yeah, it's like a really, really good tool, too, if you want to get into the competitive play, you know, and like you just don't maybe have somebody to teach you or you don't have like really good people to practice against, you know, it's like you can get in there and learn some of the ins and outs and then go online, you know, and like that's cool. Um, for me, I, the highlight is definitely classic mode. Like, I loved classic mode back in the day, and I just hope that it's more akin to the way classic mode was in uh, the original Smash, where there's, like, um, where it's not random, you know? Because I think when they made it random and, like, they took away, like, the specifics of, like, every character having their own break the target versus, like, a generic one that everyone does and just, like... There was more thought put into it in the original game, and it felt like a, you know, it felt like there was, like, a a progression that was intentional, you right. know, rather than it just kind of being, like, uh, you're just doing it, and it's it's different every time. It felt like more not, like, not an evolution of what we had gotten. Just, like, how do we make this bigger and longer, you know? So I, I hope that they put that same level of thought into classic mode this time around um, because as someone who is a more casual player, uh, I really liked having, like, the good single-player modes in Smash. You know, I used to get a lot of mileage out of that shit. What? So um, hoping that this is a signal that maybe we're going to get um, just some of that stuff with a little bit more TLC. Well, I, didn't, I do know that they said that every, per, every character's classic mode is a specific path, so it's not randomized. I know in the original Melee, or the original Smash, every character was in a set order, so there was no variation. And then Melee and Brawl had randomized battles with modifiers. Um, And then Smash 4 got rid of that, for some reason, except for maybe, like, the 3DS version. Um, But this is going to be, like, a combination of, like, Melee's, Melee's version of Classic, but the characters you fight are specific to whoever your playable character is. So, like, I saw awesome. like Donkey Kong will fight like two Splatoon characters in the tower, so it's a two v one or something along those lines. Cool. Um, oh, one more thing that we didn't touch on before we go on: all one hundred and three stages. They confirm every single stage, including variations, can do eight player, which is insane. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, that's, that is huge. That's going to be wild because every stage can now be frenetic chaos. Um, and I'm, a player fountain of dreams is going to give me nightmares. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no! Yeah, or even or like sell it on city. Like there's so little surface area to stand on there. It's like oh, that's going to be nuts. Oh yeah, it's going to be wild. Uh, and then just kind of like wrap up here. Um, we got you know we saw a bunch of new assist trophies and Pokemon. Obviously, the most important highlight is that my boy Shovel Knight is an assist trophy. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely yes, Andy. I, I, no, the most important highlight is the fucking moon from Majora's Mask. Yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> but I was more excited to see Knuckles. Yeah, Knuckles was really cool, obviously. Um, Zero. And then uh, they had... Yeah, oh, right, oh, Zero. Zero was the other oh, one. Yeah, yeah, Zero was like, absolutely more important. Yeah. Than those were sad, no, though. Those were no, bittersweet. No, no. Like, I want those characters playable in the game. Yeah. One day, one day. I don't maybe think next so. time. Smash <laughs> I don't think we'll two. ever get zero. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah, maybe, maybe not zero. Maybe I, you know. I think Proto Man would be a cool Echo Fighter. I feel like you could do yeah, that. Yeah, why don't they do that? We we don't need more Fire Emblem. We need Proto Man. Yes, we do. <laughs> Dude. Proto Man, like how funny, how fucking cool would it be if they did like the you know character reveal and it was just that like that little yes. jingle from Mega Man through the. New challengers yes. approaching. Like, oh, come on. Wild. 
be the best. <laughs> uh, but then we also got some other cool highlights, like the Rathalos from Monster Hunter, uh, which I thought was crazy as fuck. And uh, he's also going to be a boss, so he's the first character to ever be both a boss and an assist trophy. It's pretty cool. Now, what is he the boss of? Like, is it a Monster Hunter stage, or is this something else that we don't the know? secret subspace emissary mode they're not talking about Oh, yet. yeah. Yep. Time will tell, right? Time will tell. Uh, and that, yeah, that, that kind of transitions us over to there is the hidden mode. Uh, they showed us the, the game's UI, and it looks great. Looks like it's way better organized than Smash 4, uh, which is great. And um, there's one of the main buttons that's still hidden to us. So is that Subspace Emissary? Is that some other kind of, you know, like, who knows? Like, we don't know. Melee's um, Adventure Mode? Duh! Like, either or would be great. Yeah, I'll take I'd either. i take them both. Mm-hmm. Fucking A. Uh, so we'll have to see on that one. But then we closed out with another reveal of a long-awaited character, motherfucking King K. Rule. How about that? Like, I, I, that was awesome. Uh, as soon as they cut back to DK and Diddy, I, like, I was like, King K. Rule, like, let's yep. fucking go. And like, I feel like he's been a he's been a no-brainer for so long. You know, there's there's not that many like really iconic Nintendo villains at this point that haven't gotten either in the roster or gotten their nod in some way. And King K. Rool's, like, always been kind of notably absent. So, you know what I like about the King K. Rool reveal? I've always thought that um, they were staying away from him and Donkey Kong Country as a whole to try and distance themselves from Rare's work. Yeah. (laughs) But now if he's there, maybe we start to see some (laughs) Banjo-Kazooie. I... I still think that's 100% on the table. Um, like, do I think it's definitely going to happen? No. Do I, would I be at all surprised if it, if we get that announcement in the next couple <coughs> of weeks? Or if he's a DLC character in, like, one of the first rounds? Not at all. I, I've been waiting for King K. Rule for a really, really long time. I'm so happy he finally made it in the game. He looks awesome. I thought that reveal trailer was super, super cool. Um, I also love how they showed all the other bosses that are in it, and then it was like, "Oh, this has this is this is it. This has to be him." And I feel like yep. with, b- between introducing him and Ridley, then they've kind of hit all the major uh, Nintendo villains, right? Like, who else is missing at this point? I mean, like the only other character that like exists but isn't playable is like Andros, you know? And it's like he could never be a playable fighter, and we have Wolf for that, so it's right. like. Yeah, like, at, at this point, it's kind of like, I can't think of any other, like, major big bads that deserve Dr. Wily? You know who I, I've always wanted? Is, what's Dr. That? Wily would be cool. He'd be like a robot man. That would be, that would be fucking cool. I would fuck with Dr. Wily as a character, and he, like, summons the robot masters <laughs> yeah, yeah. and stuff. Like, that could be cool. Um, but uh, I think the, uh, what's his name? Andy, maybe you can help me out. The frog from Mario from 2. Trigger? Frog? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> frog? Yeah, if we're thinking of Frog, his name's Frog. No, stop! <laughs> uh, I, I forget his name, but, like, yeah, I, there, there's there's only obscure villains left at this point. Yeah. You know? And Waluigi. <laughs> yeah, and Waluigi. And Waluigi. Sure. But, hey, I'm still holding out hope. He might, he might make the cut. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but yeah, so overall, uh, I thought this was a fantastic direct. I thought it was really well paced. Uh, they wasted very little time and, um, 
all the stuff that they had to announce just made me more excited for a game I was already 100% sold on. I think my major takeaway from this was after the E3 reveal, I was like, man, I can't wait for Smash in December. Now I'm like, fucking man, I really wish I had Smash yesterday. <laughs> like, <laughs> Exactly. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, because I got anticipated that I thought they were going to like, like, like drop it. Like, do one of those silent drops and drop it after the direct like they did with Fortnite back in E3. And I got really, like, hyped up and scared about it. And then December, I was like, all right, fine. December, it's I understand it. You got to work, finish the game six months, you know, do a little more development. Then this happens, and I'm like, why am I not playing this right now, my friends? Like, <laughs> come on. I need it. <laughs> um, so I think, and this is baseless speculation based entirely on what I think Nintendo might do. But they got... Nintendo Switch online services dropping next month. I think we might see a demo. Oh, I would kill yes. for a beta, dude. Oh yeah, I would we, love an open beta for this shit. Come we on, get, we got a special demo a couple months before Smash Four. It was it was good. It was a way to you know start playing that shit on the 3ds a little early. Mm-hmm. But I Let's think go, man. I think we might see it with the launch of uh, Switch Online. I would kill for that, especially if they pulled the demo the same way they did with the 3DS one, where it was, like, unlimited. Like, it was, like, limited content, but you weren't, like, you were allowed to play it forever. Like, I was jamming on that thing for, like, weeks until Smash finally came out, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I my hype level is on 10. Um, I was lukewarm <laughs> on the E3 reveal. I mean, I was excited because it's Smash, but I had some concerns. Um, I think that this was a much better presentation. I really like that they gave us information about stuff that, you know, in any other game, no one would care about the music selection that's available, like in Street Fighter V. If you wasted time talking about that, people would yell, you know, like it'd be, it'd be <laughs> frustrating. Uh, but for Smash, you can do things like that, and those are the things that make Smash players of all kinds really excited. So... I love all that. We got some character reveals. I was very frustrated with the lack of new characters from the E3 reveal. And I feel like we got even more stuff here. So that's cool. I don't like the Echo thing. I'm souring on it. I want unique characters. Um, and I, but I, but I now feel that we're, we're not out of the woods with that. I feel like there's still more to come as far as new characters are concerned. Whereas with E3, I felt like we saw everything. And I think that's probably because of the way that they chose to preface what we saw by saying, don't expect more than this. Uh, I think that probably affected me more than they intended. And now I feel like, all right, there's there's more to come. So I'm giving I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and the benefit of the fact that this is smash and there are always surprises in store and i'm just here for the ride and loving it that's awesome man i'm really really happy to hear that because i i remember you had kind of had that uh attitude like walking out of the reveal where you're like i'm excited it's smash but there was things in how they said things that like didn't appeal to you and to see that this one was kind of more what you were looking for and it seems like they're kind of winning you over more and more like that's exciting for me to see new modes you know like the fact that we, we we're hearing about new modes that's what makes smash different every year or not every year every installment it's the god if we got a new smash every year my man. head would explode oh, no. i wouldn't be able to handle that um but but that's what makes 
it different. That's what makes it special. So. And I, I think you're totally right, man. And I think the thing that's really exciting uh, about what you guys just joked about, though, is this being Smash Ultimate, right? And it coming out so early on the Switch, which is likely a console that has a bright future ahead of it. I hope that this is like the Smash, like we get it as a platform and like there is like constantly new characters and new stages and maybe even new game modes in like the you know months and years to come because we've seen it with splatoon and arms and i don't think it's unreasonable to think that they'll do it with smash so uh we have uh, so much to look forward to (laughs) with this game i think and it's only going to get better as time goes on and I, i truly believe that uh but uh, as much as we could talk about Smash for another probably two hours, uh, we do have some other news to talk about this week. Uh, but before we get off the, the the world of fighting games, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the strangest announcements to come out of Evo uh, this week. So obviously, Evo, you know, is the uh, the premier fighting game tournament, and uh, there, you know, there was a, a ton of news to come out of this around some of the, the bigger games and, you know, some of the, the actual events that took place there. But what I wanted to focus on was uh, one of the most just interesting <laughs> announcements I think I've ever seen for a DLC character, uh, which was that Namco Bandai has revealed that Negan from AMC's Walking Dead would be joining Tekken 7's roster as a playable fighter. <laughs> So, uh, no but footage why? is available. It just sounds like Soul Calibur would have pulled this shit. Not Tekken, you know what I mean? <laughs> it sounds exactly. like something that Mortal Kombat should have pulled off. Yeah, like, when yeah. they were, they got so addicted to the horror, like, franchises, yeah. which is fine. I, I get it. It's mystical world and everything else. But you kind of needed another human in that element, kind of like what Striker was in MK9, and Negan would have been perfect for that game. It would have been so good. Would have been an easy fit there, I think, too. And that's why I think he's so interesting in Tekken 7's roster. Uh, so there's no footage of him playable yet, but, Sean, I, I really want to hear your thoughts on the reveal. Like, what do you, as somebody who's, you're the fighting game guy, I know you have a relationship with Walking Dead, like, what do you think about this? This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the fighting game space. Because, first of all, it's a really, it's a, it's a WTF announcement, right? Like, where did this even come from? How did this happen? What's the relationship here? Um, but, and you don't think of Negan as being a fighting game character. Like, who even thinks of that, right? Um, but I think that, like, this is why we do this. This is what we love. This is what video games can provide <laughs> that basically no other form of entertainment can do. You can't, do, like, if you were reading a book and Negan just came out of nowhere, you'd be like, why? What the <laughs> hell? You know, like... If you're watching Infinity War and Rick just showed up, it'd be like, stupid. But in fighting games, in video games, you can do this, and it can be special, it can be amazing. This is why we love this platform, and I'm so happy to see this. There is one very interesting thing that I did want to mention. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't reference it specifically. But I saw a tweet from the uh, person, one of the producers for Tekken, right? And he said... What character do you guys want to see in Tekken 7? And someone said Negan. <laughs> and that was and, how yeah. it happened? I think That's... I do remember that. Somebody posted that tweet. I know what you're referencing. I don't know the exact source, but I do remember yeah. what you're referencing. And it's wild. Like, Harada-san, who's, like, the main guy behind the Tekken franchise, he's a, sometimes he can be a ma- Like, he looks like, a, like an eccentric madman in a way. But just because you bring out <laughs> Tekken 7, you throw Akuma... 
as canon. Like, you yeah. know, he went to Street Fighter. It's like, hey, we're going to make Akuma actually fit in our story mode. And Street Fighter's like, all right. Even though we still don't have the Tekken versus Street Fighter game, but that's a whole other story I'll, I'll touch on later. Then you have uh, Geese from King of Fighters, because why not? Um, and then you have uh, Noctis from Final Fantasy, because why not? So <laughs> at this point, Harada, just he's going to do whatever he wants. And at this point, it doesn't matter anymore. So Tekken 7 is kind of one of those, like, you know, let's just throw everybody in. Who cares? Like, they're, like <laughs> so I think that's what makes the whole announcement about Negan so intriguing. Like, you had the other two fan favorites uh, from previous games, but the, the Negan announcement just threw everybody off. And I think that unpredictability uh, outside of Smash, which, yes, it's unpredictable, but you kind of know what kind of bubble you're fitting all the characters in. But for Tekken sure. to do an unpredictable announcement with a character you wouldn't expect in a fighting game you would not expect either i think that's what makes this announcement a lot more fun as someone without a relationship to tekken or the walking dead just like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's super weird super crazy but uh yeah i think it's a it's a really fun announcement and uh it's something i'd love to get my hands on if i can um i definitely have a few friends that have tekken 7 so gives me a reason to try and pick it up again um, but yeah, uh, like Ed, you said, they also announced that fan favorites Anna Williams and Lei Wulong would be joining the cast as well, um, which is tight because I actually know who those characters are. So, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of excitement surrounding this. Uh, I love that that Anna's back. Lei doesn't look like Jackie Chan anymore, which is yeah, he doesn't. I, that's the first thing that threw me off too. Yeah. I was just like, wait, is this is this a younger Lei Wulong? What yeah, the hell's happening right now? I was right like, yeah. what happened? My man morphed his face. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> this whole, like, pack of announcements, but specifically Negan, and like Ed said, the fact that Geese is in already, the fact that Akuma's been in, I'm buying this game now. I don't own Tekken mm-hmm. 7, I've adored it from afar, but now I have to get in. And this is what happens nice. when you do cool stuff in your game. Worked out. Uh, all right, so before we move on to our meat and potatoes this week, we do have a few more reveals to dig through uh, about some of our most anticipated games on the horizon. Uh, so QuakeCon was also this week because apparently we couldn't space out any of this shit <laughs> over the rest of the summer. Thanks. Uh, but Bethesda had some information about Doom Eternal, and uh, earlier that week also revealed some very important info on Fallout 76 via the game's FAQ. So we already knew that Fallout 76's beta, which they're calling it the Break It Early Test application, uh, would be dropping in October, but we now know that the f- that it will actually g- is going to be the full game, and any progress that you make during your, your beta experience will carry over to the game proper. Uh, so the FAQ also pointed out that there's going to be no NDA, so players are going to be fully allowed to discuss, uh, post screenshots, stream, make YouTube videos, whatever they want to do uh, when they start playing. So I think this is really cool, and I think this is a bold move. Uh, a lot of times that's done because the beta is in a kind of a shaky place, and you know, like you don't want to show it off for the first time in an unfinished state. So I think that speaks uh, to their confidence about how the game is looking, that they're going to allow people to show off this, uh, you know, sneak peek uh, content. So, uh, Thompson, I know you're really excited about Fallout 76. Did you already pre-order the game? I couldn't, I don't remember. No, I'm going to, though. Uh, I just, I just haven't got around to it. There's, like, no, 
like time limit really you know like october isn't a far away for me yeah uh i was just gonna tell you you should because if you pre-order it from a participating retailer that's how you'll get into the beta yeah, yeah. and the, the beta starts on xbox one first and ps4 comes a l- and pc are going to be coming a little bit later so you got some time but you should do that shit and get it you on. can pre-order digitally too it's still get um it's like if you just get it digitally on the playstation or whatever it'll just like you know put you in yeah so you don't have to like get the retail there code or whatever um, but like, I don't know why, for some reason, there was no doubt in my mind that this wasn't going to be the full game during the beta. It was, it was just like, to me, it was already a given. Um, I don't know if it's just like wishful thinking, but like the way I saw this coming out, I was like, yeah, the beta is probably going to be the full thing. And then we'll just go right into it. Keeping your progress. I didn't expect that. So that's really cool. But that's, that's a really yeah, nice touch. I really didn't expect that, but, but there was really no doubt in my mind it was going to be the full thing. Um, I, I don't even remember. It's, it's not like more than a month between the beta and the game like coming out so you know uh it's it's just about yeah. a month i think it comes out like late november yeah and the way that like fallout 4 came out you know they announced it and then they were like hey it's it's out in like you know like three months fucking yeah three months. so it's like this <laughs> when they announced 76 uh and then they said the beta be- beforehand that's kind of what led me to think that like they have enough to show it and it would probably be like the full thing anyway um just keeping your progress is really fucking cool man that's that's yeah. prime stuff. So uh, I'm going to probably have like everything I could possibly have before the game starts and, uh, you know, break it. <laughs> so, Thompson, already the number one player in the world. <laughs> I haven't even played yet, and I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then later that week at QuakeCon, Bethesda also gave us the first gameplay reveal for Doom Eternal, which, you know, uh, aside from, you know, just a little kind of teaser we got at E3, we really didn't know much about it. But, oh, boy, does this look good, boys and girls. Good lord. <laughs> uh, we saw new enemy types, new weapons, uh, including there's, like, an over-the-shoulder flamethrower. There's a fucking grappling hook. Uh, and it's it's that that tight, visceral action that Doom is known for and that the reboot showed off, you know? Um, so uh, I, I think this looks great, and it definitely seems like a solid improvement on what was already good about the, the first Doom. Uh, and not, obviously not the first Doom, the first rebooted Doom, uh, Doom 2017. Uh, so yeah, I, I could not be more excited for this. I think I loved the first Doom from what I played of it. I got about halfway through it and I'm definitely looking forward to picking up this one. Jeez. I really, 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 really appreciate that there's still a company in 2018 willing to make a video game that, okay, here's a big room with a bunch of things to shoot then a hallway, then another big room, continue, and not some open-world collect-a-thon crafting bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, make a good game, let me kill a bunch of things, I don't want to explore, I just want to shoot stuff. Thank you. Yep. And that's, like, it makes it makes Doom stand out even more. You know, like, it, it's a breath of fresh air that it's like, oh, it's just this linear experience. It's not focused on story. Like, there's there's environmental storytelling and stuff, but it's like, the narrative doesn't matter. Like, that that opening scene where there's, like, there's the computer yeah. that comes in your face and it's like, oh, you got it. And he's just like, fucking, I don't care. Get out of the way. I'm going to go shoot demons. I'm on like, Mars. I kill things. Yep. That's it. I really, I love the idea in the, the Doom franchise that, like, you're the terror that the demons are afraid of. Like, that that fucking yeah. makes me, like, so happy that you wake up and they're just like, oh, shit. Like, it reminds me of Halo, like, that feeling whenever you hear, like, one of the little grunts, like, scream, you know? Because, like, they're like, oh, fuck, it's you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're the demons. 
Um, it's just, but it's like weird to think, you know, these demons like took over Mars and you're, you're the fucking problem, right? Hell on Earth, even better concept. That's how they've always done their expansions. And like, they honestly could have given me nothing but new maps for this. And I would have been like, fuck yeah, because the first game was so perfect. And like that soundtrack is like amazing. And you can just listen to the like heavy metal <laughs> shit like <laughs> any time of day. Uh, but, you know, I know there's going to be new music. There's going to, I mean, like, fuck, there's so much already about this I, I was sold on the trailer you know like i was more hype about this originally than i was smash because i was like smash will come and it'll be good no matter what doom i didn't expect oh shit <laughs> <laughs> just the aerial stuff is so cool like they show you using the grappling hook to like hook up yeah, on yeah. a flying demon and stab up through its eye and everything i was like god this looks so mobile yeah. like the mo- the motility like just the motility of your character is like fucking insane, I'm, and that so game was already like first fucking one. running around on. Crack, yeah, they nailed it with you know? the first like, one too. You're like, you start the game up, and you're like running super quick. Like, you know, I mean, like again, like the floaty halo 60 jumps. Sixty FPS, and, whipping the fucking gun around, yeah, just like it's ugh, it's ridiculous. There's no like rhyme or reason to it because you know what, you are the terror of the demons. <laughs> And you know what I'm so excited for, you guys? I bought a 4K TV yeah, yeah. and a PS4 you Pro, did. and I am going to have both of them before this game oh, comes out, shit. and I, I can't <laughs> wait to tear demons apart in 4K. It's going to be nuts. Uh, yeah, my friend has a, uh, AJ has a 4K TV, and his friend Seth has like a maxed out PC, so he's going to buy the game on PC, and we're just going to go over to his house, hook up the TV to it, and just rock out, because I play Doom on 4K. Like, I have it on my PS4. I only have a Slim. Um, and it looked awesome, but then he, I played it on his four, uh, maxed out uh, rig with 4K, and it looked better. Like, it was just so good. And even then, even the Switch version ran okay. I thought the Switch version was fine when I played it. Dude, yeah, and that's the thing. is Like, every, like I haven't played the Switch version. Everybody I, I know who's played it or who I've heard talk about play it has said, like, yeah, like, it's, it's a downgrade graphically, but it runs, like, smooth as butter. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... God, Bethesda, your shit is so real. Doom Eternal coming to Switch, baby. Oh. Yeah, they also confirmed that it's coming to Switch. Oh, which hell is yeah. Nuts. Hell yeah. Like, I fucking love Bethesda. Get out of here with that, man. Uh, I, and, uh, oh, no, go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. Oh, I have an unrelated I love Bethesda because they're openly beefing with Sony at this point, And it's just so funny to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they announced something. I remember this art. It's the, there were, we're only going to put out. The Elder Scrolls Blades on platforms that support crossplay. Yep, yep. Was <laughs> just like, oh shit, shots fired, dude. I yeah, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty bold. They like they don't care, and it's funny because like they don't have to care. Like that's always been their relationship with Sony. Like not that it's like, I don't. I wouldn't say it's full on beef, but it's always been contentious. Like, I remember, like, when there was all the issues with Skyrim not running on PS3, and they were like, ah, PS3, man, sorry. Like, <laughs> we're fucking trying. <laughs> yep. Or when they um, um, they were putting mods in the, yeah. the special edition that just launched, and people were not happy with it. And they were like, listen, we'd be glad to put more mods in, but Sony won't let us. They're like, take it up with Sony. Yeah. Like, they say, yes, we'll flip the Switch, and they're live. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty funny. But uh, just to wrap this conversation up on Doom, uh, we also learned about a couple new features. Um, the one that I wanted to just point out was uh, the Dark Souls-esque ability for you to, like, control a demon and invade other players' campaigns to fuck with them. That sounds awesome. I'm not about uh, that. Nope, Andy? No. Oh, well, I mean, there, you there can turn it off, option, but it's like, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. For I me, don't know. that sounds super fun in a game like this because it's such a well-made game and it's like... 
I don't know, like, the idea of just being able to go, like, mano a mano with another player, but not having to go into, like, a multiplayer mode, like, sounds fun. Well, they're not going to be, like, Doom guys you're fighting. They'll be a demon, so you could theoretically kill them easier and stuff. They just have to play crafty, you know? And, like, I don't know, yeah. for me, that would break up the monotony. Like, going through hordes and legions and all that, and, like, all of a sudden one of them is, like, actually running around, like, hitting me with stuff. Like, saying Imp is just all of a sudden getting scores, and it's just like, damn, I killed a thousand of you. Yeah. Like, that would make it fun, because it's like, they can't make the AI, AI perfect, but playing a player control one or two people i don't know depends on how egregious it is too if you're getting invaded like every step of the way like even dark souls doesn't have that there is kind of like a little yeah. bit of a letdown like yeah. in between invasions that's i mean that's just like a big part of the reason i bounced off dark souls as hard as i did yeah yeah i mean but you it's just like i'm n- i'm not about like unannounced multiplayer you could turn it I'm off not about <laughs> But then you yeah, have no jolly cooperation is the problem. So yeah, it's like I'm not about the encouragement of griefing. Sure. It's there. Yeah. yeah, I'd say that. That's hey man, I know you're not about that, but like I don't think that this game would encourage it nearly as much. So I think it's just more like to ha- like maybe get a you know, a challenge in, but not like destroy someone. I don't see them giving you like the strongest endgame demons right away, or maybe it's level specific. Uh, Because that would be really cool. And if it's like you possess them and maybe it's like hard to do, maybe you have to actually like fight to get to them. So invading with a really hard demon would be like you in itself having a challenge. Or maybe you're out of a timer. I don't know. Maybe it's just like can't do it more than once every two hours or something stupid. We shall see. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the game's available for pre-order now, but we don't have a release date yet. Uh, But we're going to definitely have our eyes on this one. So, uh, you know. Keep it tuned for more Doom Eternal talk. <clears throat> All right, so moving along, uh, we also got the first official gameplay video for Red Dead Redemption 2. And oof, oof. Cannot wait. Rockstar Games presents Persona Wild Wild West Edition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just didn't hear the jazz in it, but yeah, you're right. Doom, doom, doom. But yeah, I, I, I thought this was an interesting approach. For presenting the game, it felt very much to me like kind of like an E3 demo of of yesteryear of like, welcome to our presentation on Red Dead Redemption 2, which it's fine. Like it was it was weird, but the game looks really great. And all the things that they said uh, were really, really appealing to me. So was that a strange choice? Yeah, but I still found it to be such a enticing trailer uh, or tease, whatever you want to call it, that um. Yeah, I'm, I I was really impressed by this. And I think especially considering everything we've seen beforehand has just been, like, story trailers and, like, your mileage may vary on how good those have looked. Um, this this was the, the look at Red Dead I've really been waiting for. Uh, so before we get into specifics, what, what did you guys think about this? I like the fact, like, the one thing that I liked about the trailer for the most part, just with the six minutes that I got to sit down with it, is just, like Grand Theft Auto V, how seamless everything was. Because I think that's the one thing, the one good thing that they carried over from Grand Theft Auto V for this game is that every like story cutscenes are seamless into the gameplay. Like you saw the one guy get knocked out of the saloon, and all of a sudden it went into like a one-on-one fist fight. Um, same with like a cutscene going into viewing like the landscape and the mountains and the forests. It like mm-hmm. it just looked so impressive, and I think Rockstar being able to show things on their own terms—that's kind of their, been their mo for the, like the last ten years. Like, they don't care. Yeah. They'll do whatever they want to show off their games, but everybody just soaks them up, buys them, because it's about the the narrative 
and it's about the story, but also because of the fact that you look at how they present their open worlds and how big they are. And they're saying, and for the most part, Rockstar has always said, "Hey, you see that thing over there? Go to it." And that's that's been their mo, and I love that about it. And I think uh, that solidified my purchase for Red Dead Redemption Two. So, Red, this um, made me a little more into it. It's, it, I'm still in a, I'm gonna wait for it to go on sale. Mm-hmm. But I do like, I worry that it's the game's gonna drown in systems. I think that's always the risk you run with Rockstar games, and I yep. think it's very up to you as the player to realize you're not, like, you're not supposed to do every single fucking but thing. But if you're like me, and you try to do every single fucking thing and go insane doing it, you can play bowling with your your brother, uncle, whatever he was, for <laughs> hours on end and realize, oh, I wasn't supposed to do that in, like, GTA 4. That's in Nico! Uh, Let's go bowling. <laughs> Just because they let you do yoga doesn't mean you should do yoga. But I did it for a long and uh, way too much time. <laughs> and they shouldn't let you do yoga. I did a whole, hey, I'll admit, on GTA 5, I did a whole 18 rounds of golf because whatever, it was there. I've done Why it. Why not? I've done it multiple times. Like, that's scary how much times I just did Benusha in GTA 5. Like, I just was like, hey, this is a thing. I guess I'm going to try that out. What happens? Oh, it was just golf. Okay. <laughs> My guy's got tennis lessons, bro. I gotta go. Like, Pete, you know, yeah. you know how you feel too. about fishing and video games, Pete? I feel like that about, like, golf, like, for GTA. It was like, this fucking, this takes the worst <laughs> part about golfing and just puts it in a game. Like, why am I just wasting my time? <laughs> and go figure in Red but Dead. Is you Red can... Dead 2 fishing? Yeah, there's the, fishing, too. The game that gets Pete to fish. There you go. Pete, you better fish. <laughs> nah. Come on, man. Join the club. I thought this trailer was awesome. Uh... Again, I, I have no relationship to this franchise at all, so I really I really don't care about it, but just on a technical, objective level, it looks great. It seems like they're giving you a lot of options, which is something that I've always loved from the Grand Theft Auto series. I love how many things you can do if you feel like doing them, and it seems like this is no exception. Um, and uh, just it just looks, it's an absolutely gorgeous game. It's crazy how good this looks. So, will I buy it based on this? I don't know. I'm at the point where I don't really want to, nor do I need to see any more. It's one of those things where when it comes out, if it's the right time, and there's nothing else going on, uh, then I'll probably play it. But um, whatever they show at this point isn't going to sway me one way or the other. Yeah, it's funny because... I, I walked away from this, like, they, they talk at the end of the video uh, that, th- that this was the first one, right? There's another video coming that's going to detail missions and rival gangs and the Deadeye system and how it's evolved and all that stuff. And I'm I'm so excited for these videos, but I don't fucking need to see any more. Like, I was already sold on Red Dead 2 because it's Red Dead 2. Seeing this reaffirmed, to your point, Ed, right? I was like, yeah, this is why I'm buying this game, day one, because it looks incredible. Um, I, you know, Red Dead Redemption is like one of my all time favorite games. And the fact that their, their whole thing is like, they said, we want to make a deeper, more alive open world. That's quote, more interactive and detailed than ever. Yep. Okay, great. I'll play this game for like eight months. 
And uh, so getting into some of the specifics, um, we showed a little bit more about the world. Uh, definitely looks like it's more varied. We've got deserts, mountains, valleys, swamps. There's like small mining towns all the way up to like growing cities and stuff, which is stuff that we played with to some degree in Red Dead Redemption 2 or Red Dead Redemption 1 rather. rather. But it was mostly just desert, you know, like it's mostly just dry, arid ass Texas. And there's like one city, you know, and it seems like we definitely have a lot more varied landscape this time time around um there's a new camp system that's really interesting where you get to like learn uh more about all the npcs and dutch's gang uh morale is apparently impacted by your actions like you can hunt so that the camp has food there's conversations you can have that will reveal new missions and and stuff like that to do and like to me like and you made the joke about persona in the beginning like that to me is the most attractive system you can put in any video game is there, there's a squad, and if you get to know your squad, you get to do more stuff. It's like, awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm about that, for sure. Y- yeah, like, it's like I, I made the Persona joke, but also like Persona is my favorite game, and fucking slap that, that nice little like yeah, make friends and get mechanical benefits for like hanging out with these characters. We hope you like. I mean, yeah, like. And that's the best conduit for, like, secondary storytelling in a video game is, like, you want to hear this story because it's engaging, but also there's a benefit to doing it. You're rewarded for actually, like, exploring the content that they made. Like, that's fucking brilliant Um, because it feels good coming and going. Uh, And then they also – they wanted to also, like, kind of – reestablish the point right that like all of your actions outside of camp will also affect the world and that like the same way that they that that morality system did in red dead redemption one has been kind of evolved right so you can talk to people like to reason with them or start fights like ed pointed out in the beginning there's like that bar fight scene where you say something shitty to somebody and they can just punch your fucking lights out and all of a sudden you're in a fight or you can, like, de-escalate shit. Like, if somebody comes at you really hot and you talk them down, you can maybe avoid conflict. And, and stuff like that seems really interesting. Uh, they said that you can make enemies or friends as you choose, right? So it seems like like if you kill somebody's cousin, like, they might come after you later in the game and stuff like that. And it seems like there's really a lot of kind of, like, almost, like, it reminds me of what was fun about Skyrim the first time. Where there's, like, that randomness to the systems where, like how you act will affect just like there's always ripples you know and those ripples will make your experience with red dead redemption 2 different than my experience with red dead redemption. it kind of the way you're describing it right now it kind of makes it seem like for the first time rockstar games is going to do something of like a living open world where like with most grant you know most yeah. of the grand theft auto series and even red dead one was very isolated um yeah red dead had a little bit you had the wanted system as well in red dead one so it kind of felt like your actions did affect other cities if they're able to you know, communicate with those cities in a way. But Red Dead Redemption 2 seems more, commun- you know, there's more communication between the cities because now there's a lot more. It's a little bit closer to the 20th century. So with the rise of cities, it's going to get a little more in depth in terms of um, how towns can communicate with each other, um, especially if you're on the wrong side of the law, if you will. Um, even though, yeah, you're in a gang, you're not technically. Um, but either way, um, that's kind of how I see it working. So it seems like everything is living um, something's going on in one area that can affect you here and vice versa. And I'm interested to see how they make that make sense because it's uh, not to like, you know, well, actually you, but it's actually earlier on the timeline. So it's 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 
earlier, it's more in the past than Red Dead Redemption 1. But for whatever reason, maybe it's where they are. It's like less west or, or whatever. But right. um, it, it does. It, I do get that impression from it, you know, at least how they showed it uh, and how all these different like biomes seem to be next to each other and like interacting. Um, but they, they gave some more details about how they've improved combat, how your bond with your horse has been like has more depth to it, more animals, more, 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 more. Um, so, you know, I, I, we're definitely going to talk more about Red Dead 2 before it launches. You know, I'd like to look at all of these announcement videos, um, depending on how jazzed you guys are about it. We'll see if they actually make their way to the show. But, uh, I, I know I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to Red Dead Redemption 2, and it's a game that I think is going to be a strong game of the year contender for me and a lot of people. Definitely. So, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. And uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts at home. If you guys are hype on Red Dead Redemption 2, make sure you let us know in the comments down below what you're thinking about it. And uh, is it on your you know, radar? Is it a game you're looking to pick up? All right, guys. So our last news item this week is going to take us into our meat and potatoes discussion uh, with one of the uh, big, obviously, I think the biggest story in gaming this week, which was the uh, ongoing controversy around uh, IGN's Dead Cell review and the firing of now former IGN editor Philip Muchin. Uh, so I'm going to read a article real quick from gamesindustry.biz. Uh, it's a real short one by James uh, Batchelor, and uh, I'm going to link to it down below. Please go give him a click. Uh, but he has a nice summary of the entire situation, and then we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty of it. Uh, so... He writes, IGN has removed a review from its website following accusations that it heavily plagiarizes a similar video from a YouTuber. YouTuber uh, YouTube channel Boomstick Gaming brought the issue to light with a video comparing the two, which you can watch below. I'll also link to that down below if you want to check that out for yourself. His review for indie roguelike Dead Cells was uh, published to the video platform last week with IGN releasing their own review yesterday. Um, so it's about a week later. Uh, the latter's was penned by Nintendo editor Philip Muchin and released in both video and written form. Boomstick Gaming's video shows the remarkable similarities between a lot of the editorial and even the structure of the review. In the show notes, he has transcribed excerpts from both reviews, which show just a few changes have been made to words and sentence structure. IGN has since removed both versions of its own Dead Cells review and replaced the written version with the following statement. As a group of writers and creators who value our own work and that of others in our field, the editorial staff of IGN takes plagiarism very seriously. In light of concerns that have been raised about our Dead Cells review, we've removed it from the time being and are investigating. Uh, and then Update, IGN a few days later, issued their official statement about the issue uh, where they fired Philip. So IGN uh, shared this on Twitter and also posted it on the website. And here's what they had to say. We've reviewed the allegations against one of our writers regarding our review of Dead Cells. After taking the time to investigate, we've determined that there were substantial similarities between a review posted weeks earlier and a review that could not be justified and warranted taking down. Though we as a community often share feelings and even certain word choices to describe the games we love by using similar frames of understanding, this particular situation stepped over the line and is not a reflection of our editorial standards. We apologize to our readers, developer Motion Twin, and especially to, and most especially to the YouTuber known under Boon gaming for failing to uphold those standards. We take our review process seriously. In most cases, reviewers are expected to play a game single player or story campaign to completion at least once, as well as spend additional time capturing gameplay to supply content to the video component of our reviews. Though our Dead Cells reviewer played the game and came away with glowing opinions of it, as many of our other staff members, 
uh, the review itself was simply not acceptable. We've parted ways with the writer involved in the review, and we will be re-reviewing Dead Cells this week. We will work tirelessly to ensure that regardless of whether you agree with our reviews, you can have faith that every word is nothing less than the genuine opinions of our critics. Nothing is more important to us than your trust. IGN. So before we get into some of the other stuff that's come out around this story, um, what, are you, what are your guys' thoughts on, on this issue and how IGN responded to it? Sean, I'd like you to start. Sure. Um, I think that uh, IGN responded the way that the exact way that they should have. I don't think that there's anything wrong with what they came out and said. Um, I've seen a lot of criticism um, leveled on IGN about this, and this is nothing to do with them. Uh, at least in the sense that they didn't, you know, it's not like IGN wrote this. You know, a guy who works for IGN right. did something messed up, and that's not their fault. And they handled it appropriately. They didn't. They didn't um, immediately fire him or immediately come to his defense. They did. They did their review. They did their investigation, which is. You know, that's what you do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and as far as the actual situation goes, any time that plagiarism is brought up, that's yeah, that's a big deal. That's not good, especially in this day and age and in this business. So it's very serious, and, um, and I'm sure we'll get into the rest. But, um, yeah, not a good look at all. No, not at all. Uh, I think to your point, right, like in this business, you deal in trust. That's all you have to sell is people's trust in your opinion. And if that is uh, for any reason given uh, an opportunity to be shaken, that's that's significant. Um, but, Sean, you know, uh, before I let the rest of the guys chime in, something you said actually uh, triggered a thought in me is that uh, Jason Schreier, a.k.a. what an actual real video games journalist looks like, as I like to call him, uh, has been talking a lot about this story and done some additional reporting, which we're going to dive into. But he had a tweet that I think echoes a lot of Sean's uh, sentiments, where he said, before you attack, quote, IGN, unquote, for this, please do remember that nobody else at IGN could have possibly known that this had happened. And a whole lot of good people at IGN were also harmed by this writer's actions, um, which I thought was an interesting perspective on this. Um, because I think, like you said, right, a lot of people, um, actually, here's a tweet from Max Scoville, who works at IGN, who says, uh, it should be common sense. He says, thank you, Jason. It should be common sense, but a lot of folks have a hard time understanding that IGN is a company made up of a bunch of not always perfect human beings, not some ruthless, unfeeling, hive mind entity. Which definitely seems where uh, a lot of the argument, or a lot of the, like, kind of narrative around it has come. But, Sean, you wanted to yeah, respond to that? the people who work at IGN that are the, the faces of the company, by and large, seem to be fantastic. Uh, Terry Schwartz, uh, there's so many people who work there um, that, are, that, are, that are awesome. Joshua Yell, that, that, are, that are loving, that love what they do, that care about each other. It's really a community. And I hate the fact that they get bombarded with so much hate when the people who work there seem to be fantastic. And who knows what happens behind the scenes, right? Like, I don't work there, but what I see is a great group of people that don't deserve this hate, especially not for what someone else did. Yeah, man, I mean, you know, uh, personally, most of my favorite gaming personalities are either IGN or, or former IGN people, you know? Um, so I, I definitely tend to fall on that line uh, as well, just to make my own biases clear. Um, but... 
any other guys? Ed, you want to uh, weigh in here sure. as our guest? Um, as a journalism major myself, I, I took I uh, graduated with a journalism degree as well. It's kind of one of the fields that I wanted to get into after I got out of college. Um, outside of one of the things they teach you, which in terms, which is usually in terms of you know storytelling, how to you know put on a public persona, little things like that, um, sure. so that way you can develop your own journalism style. One of the things they also teach you is ethics. Um, so you kind of have know if you graduated with that degree or some form of like communications or anything like that, ethics is always involved. Am I doing the right thing? And the person here, uh, Philip, who wrote this article did not, he didn't take, according to stories that I've read, which, um, especially from like Engadget and Nintendo Life, which are two other websites. Apparently, this is a very common trend for, um, this editor to really do. And I don't think that's, and again, we're not putting any blame on IGN. They had no business involved in it. Um, they wouldn't have known his backstory or how his writing style. Um, but I think it's come to light now that, you know, one of the things that you have to learn when you're a journalism is speak from the heart, um, speak on facts. So if your own opinion is fact, speak on it. There's always a way to word it without looking for inspiration, without looking for inspiration from other writing sources and then just changing a few words to make it seem different. That's not, that's not a similar writing style. That's something you learn in college, in high school, when you're talking about writing a paper or writing something down that's expressing your opinion. It's always about making it your own. And from what I've seen, this person didn't do that. And that's one of the things that I know as a journalist major, I'm taught that. Speak from what you feel and everything else will be fine. And I don't know why he didn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, for for my own uh, experience there as well, like I, I too studied journalism, and one of the things that they always t- often told you too is, um, you know, don't like don't read a ton of other people's work, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're writing about something, so that you're not doing this even inadvertently, you know. Which it doesn't seem like was the case with Philip, but you know, it's like it it, it is easy to. Uh, absorb other people's language mm-hmm. and and borrow from it right, right. and it's uh there, there's a fine line there you know and, and i think a lot of people um skirt it and this guy definitely just seems like he was you know um care like really careless about it you know uh but uh, so andy thompson um when you guys want to win yeah um honestly like to start with what sean had said before about ign's response to this this is like pretty much the best possible thing I would like to see from any company, let alone, you know, IGN, which I, I, I also really do like IGN. I mean, the, you have people saying stuff like Sonic was never good from them. I mean, you can't go wrong with a company like that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's my man, Brian oh Altano. I'll fight you. I'll fight you, Thompson, right now. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, so hey, Andy's fist three and nothing. I didn't say it. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, you know, that's, uh, I, I, I was, I, yeah, I don't understand like people getting mad at them, uh, you know, directly. Like, obviously this was a isolated case and I don't think they have a history as far as I remember, they don't have a history of any sort of plagiarism like this. And they, they took their time to, to look into it and root the cause out and take appropriate actions. So like, it's one of the few times we can actually like look at some scenario and be like, wow, that was like sane you know like this kind of shit never goes down in sane life anymore you know it's always some kind of extreme thing and um i think thankfully like that the people who are angry about all this they'll shut up in a little bit because you know what are you going to be mad about in so long you know it's like they they did the right thing um so well that's the thing is i think this will be a stain forever like people will point to this forever as a thing but andy i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead uh, oh no that's that uh 
is the thing that breaks my heart about this, really. It's like, yeah, that guy sucked and did some bad stuff and got fired. But people who have an axe to grind with IGN for being, you know, a big name in games writing and seemingly nothing else will be like, oh, but IGN plagiarizes all their reviews forever. Yep. I just think that those people... Just like how IGN gets paid to, to give positive <laughs> reviews, right? Like, yeah. love when people say that shit. I just think that they'll they'll always have that those people anyway, and, like, you know, stuff like this is going to reinforce those people, but I don't think it's going to convert the masses, you know? I mean, like, I just think they'll have, you know, like, any, cons- like, not conspiracy people, but any people looking for evidence will find something they can use and tout it forever. So it's like, I don't know. It's bad. It doesn't look great in the long run, but I don't think it's going to, like... Uh, you know, be the the nail in the coffin for like people saying like, oh, look how shitty they are, and like all of a sudden public opinion really just turns on personal opinion. I don't think it's gonna go that way, but yeah. there's always gonna be people being shitty, <laughs> and they're always gonna find reasons to try to take you down if they want to, and this just helps them. But like, I don't think normal like interactions. It's like in a year you're gonna remember that one time, unless this happens like three more times in a row. You know what I mean? Then we got a problem, but <laughs> it didn't. So. Sure. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't at all seem indicative of a no, trend. I hope. Yeah. Um, that uh, that being said, uh, I did want to bring up a, a wrinkle that did um, kind of come up. I noticed on Twitter during the fallout of this. Not that it's a, a, been a major story or anything like that, but um, I'm sure if you're a social media user, you're maybe casually aware of a, a much smaller gaming outlet called Gamenesia, um, where uh, their uh, founder, Ben Lamrio, I, I would guess that's how you say it, Lamaru. Um, it's French. Sorry, Ben. Uh, so Ben replied to Jason's uh, original tweet about this story um, and and brought up his own experience with IGN having, uh, having it, from his point, um, taking credit, right, for, for other people's work. So he wrote, or he tweeted, I should say, IGN could not have, uh, could not likely have stopped this specific incident before it happened, but speaking as someone who's had their work taken by IGN without credit, stealing from smaller websites seems to be encouraged to some degree. When they initially refused to source us for a scoop on Final Fantasy XV being delayed, the writer contacted us and said he wasn't allowed to source us because IGN considered us too small to credit uh, for our work. So then um, he got a reply from Andrew Goldfarb, who's the news editor over at IGN, and said, Hey, Ben, I looked at our records. I wasn't familiar with Gamenesia at the time, so we reached out to Square and waited for a source we knew before we covered. As far as I can see, we did eventually give credit uh, to Gamenesia as the original source, but I agree that it should have happened initially. And then Ben fired back, talking about how they sourced Kotaku, who had sourced Gamnesia because they trusted Kotaku, and there's a little back and forth there. But, um, you know, I, I guess I wanted to bring that up because uh, I think a lot of people are also pointing to this as proof that IGN likes to steal people's work. But, you know, um, as much as I understand Ben's frustration in this situation, it's not that's not really what happened either. You know, it's not that they stole his article and republished it. They sourced Kotaku because they trusted Kotaku and they didn't trust Gamnesia. And I'm not saying that that's right. And the guy who did do it apologized and said that in retrospect, that's probably wouldn't have been the way he would do it now. Um, but just in the interest of giving a full picture and, you know, uh, talking about all the angles of the story here, I did, I did want to bring it up. I've linked to this uh, down below so you can, you know, you can check out, all of all of these details and the interactions between Ben and Andrew, um, if you'd like to read about it. And I, I do think that was right because 
Who has more to lose? If Gamenesia makes up something up and IGN sources it, then it comes out that that was not correct. Gamenesia is nobody. IGN yep. is going to get a lot of flack for something like that, and it's going to look like IGN told a lie. So, yep. yeah, they waited for a more reputable source. That's not that's not remotely uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't blame them for doing that. And I think that this guy has an axe to grind, which I can understand from his perspective. They didn't get the traffic that they would have liked, but you're the small fish. That's That's the way it works. And it's not stealing. Yeah. Right, and I, I I agree with that, and I think I think Ben's reaction here is is a little bit um, extreme, you know, uh, and and I I again I understand his frustration. I think in the same uh, shoes, I'd be mad too. You know, that's money that he lost on lost out on a story that his publication broke. So, totally understand uh, where he's coming from, but I think. The idea of that that being IGN getting exposed that 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 shows that they have a history of stealing from smaller websites. I don't really think that's fair to say. Right, it's about IGN kind of be. It's like as just kind of what Sean mentioned that IGN is the big fish in terms of uh new like getting your news about video games. You have a couple of main sources: IGN, uh, Kotaku, Gamespot, Destructoid. There are uh, those are like the four main ones that I usually check on a regular basis outside of Game Informer. So that's where I get my news from. So, of course, if IGN sourced from Kotaku, I'm be like, okay, yeah, that's two big fishes who know about the story. Where game, you, know, you have Gamnesia coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, we were the original broker of the news. And then IGN discovered, hey, you know what? You're right. You know, we, we want to get a bigger source, but it turns out you were the source. Okay, here's your credit. If they didn't take from him. They wanted, they confirmed through their partner, if you will, up in the higher tier that, yes, this is reputable. So, at the end of the day, he did get his credit. I understand his frustration, but you can't put that on IGN because IGN has a reputation to try to keep up with them. So does Kotaku. So does the big fish that we all look into in terms of getting our news, where we get our E3 coverage as well. These are the sources that have the ability to get that coverage. Is why we see IGN stage shows before the presentation. Same with GameSpot when they have the live stage demos during E3. They're the two sources that you know of that will get you the news. Um, so, yes, the, the gentleman here at Gamnesia has an axe to grind, it seems like. And eventually he did get his credit, but he felt like that wasn't good enough. It's too little too late in his eyes, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I, you know, he's within his right to feel that way. I just, I don't, I don't agree that it's the same thing. Um, especially because the story that they you know, wrote, it was an aggregation of that story, not we're going to lift your copy and put it on IGN.com and not credit you, right. which is what happened in the case of this video, mm-hmm. right? Is uh, Those those are very different things. Um, so uh, that wasn't the end of the story, though. Uh, Jason Schreier um, did a bunch of digging and uh, and also got some help from a tipster. Well, here, I'll, I'll let Jason speak. So Jason followed up with the story and said, the thing about plagiarism is it never happens just once. Thanks to a helpful tipster, here's another example of Philip Muchin borrowing liberally from someone else's game review before he was hired at IGN. So, uh, you know, I've, I've linked to that down below as well. There's uh, excerpts from a Nintendo Life review of FIFA 18, uh, you know, an, another video review that he had done. And then I think if you look at the article now, there's even more updates that show even more stuff that's come through. So this guy clearly had a, a history of plagiarism and just hadn't been caught up until now. 
And, uh, you know, it finally, it finally caught up with him. So, uh, though, <laughs> it didn't end there. Because Philip then put out a video saying that his plagiarism was, quote, not at all intentional and attacking uh, Jason and Kotaku for highlighting the more examples of his plagiarism for clicks. Um, you know, despite the fact that Jason is a video game journalist and this is a video game story, which he was reporting on. Uh, so I did just want to pull a couple quotes from Jason's follow-up article that like, I, I mentioned and I've linked to down below uh, because you can no longer go check out Philip's original video. He's got some of the information from it. Uh, so this comes from Philip's video. And then the rest of it, I'll let you know when we're back in Jason's article. The bottom line is that what happened with the Dead Cells review was not at all intentional, he said. So with that, I just want to apologize to everybody at IGN for all the undeserved criticisms and doubt that may have been may have been sparked, he says. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that may have been sparked in their credibility as a respected source for games media. Back to Jason. On Tuesday night, a small YouTuber named Boomstick Gaming published a video uh, with the title, IGN copied my Dead Cells review, what do I do? And he laid out a compelling case at the official IGN review of da-da-da-da-da. We know this part, right? So, Muchin had not uh, publicly responded until last night's video. In it, he also apologized to Motion Twin, the maker of Dead Cells. He did not apologize to the YouTuber Boomstick Gaming, but said he has, quote, nothing but the best wishes, unquote, for him, <laughs> and offered him and offered him advice for the future. Wow. He added that people have been sending nasty messages, not just to him, but to his family members' social media accounts. The video has not been received well and is currently sitting at 1,700 upvotes and 8,300 downvotes. Muchin also mentioned Kotaku's reporting on the story, naming me specifically. On Wednesday night, we learned that before he was uh, hired at IGN, Muchin had put out a video review of FIFA 18 on Switch that was full of striking, striking similarities to a Nintendo Life review published a few days earlier. Uh, you And then back to Philip. Quote, you can keep looking, Kotaku, and please let me know if you find anything, Muchin said in last night's video. Which, by the way, their news editor, Jason Schreier, tried to imply that my FIFA 18 review was also inauthentic by claiming that I copied it from Nintendo Life. And that's just so not the case. Maybe he was implying that if you have similarly opinionated reviews, that you're just plagiarizing. Or maybe he's just trying to get as many clicks off my name right now as possible. Or maybe he just likes kicking people when they're down. I don't know. Check it out for yourselves and you be the judge. So it goes on like this. Please check out Jason's, uh, both of his articles about this that I've, uh, I've linked to down below. Obviously, we always are a fan of Jason's reporting. Uh, but I think at this point, we all get the point. I believe you listeners at home get the point. Uh, so the brass fucking balls on this guy, huh? Insane. Boo, fuck this guy. Like, fuck <clears throat> you, Philip. That's all I gotta say, man. Like, Spell Philip fact- right. <laughs> we'll blame his parents for that one <laughs> but uh like are you fucking kidding me you get exposed for plagiarism and then are shown to have a history of plagiarism and you don't apologize blame other people and then try to act like jason's being the dick for doing his fucking job get the fuck out of here man my favorite part about the way this was told was like he gets caught with the first thing with ign and all that they come up later saying that like his fifa review could have been from Nintendo Life, which, like, holy shit, dude. He started up by plagiarizing from bigger people and then went to Boomstick Gaming? Like, eh, 
that really, I think, shows his balls, man. He's just like, fuck it, Nintendo's review, why not? <laughs> yeah. And then that works, yeah. so it's and like... It, and then he did this, and then, yeah. of course, there's a new update yeah, uh, yeah. on the original Jason article. Um, he had another tipster that taught, that revealed that he had may have some plagiarism um, when reviewing Metroid Samus Returns. Um, and if you look at the back and forth between like Engadget's original review, which was September 8th, and then um, Philip's review, which was five days later... Ooh, yeah, there's very similar. There's a lot of similarities yeah. in like four or five different paragraphs. It's nuts. Yeah, and I, I, honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more come up. You know, like, the fact that, uh, that we've already seen this many from different outlets at different times in his career shows a clear pattern of doing this. You know, and that, uh, it's just Boomstick was the first one to realize it. You know? Yeah, I'm just surprised that stuff from uh, Nintendo reviews, you know, crossed over with this guy and they didn't get, you know, the internet is super savvy sometimes. And I, I'm just really surprised it took this long for it to show up, honestly. But like, damn, you know, this guy uh, has, has such a uh, plethora of stuff. I, I just, I would have thought maybe he had like, you know, two of them. And it's like, this, this is three examples already we've been given. And like, you guys think more is coming and. I wouldn't doubt it at this point, you know, it's just, it's just crazy to think that someone got to me. It just seems like I, I thought he would have got caught a little earlier, but um, damn, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. Like I think when he had a smaller platform, it was probably easier yeah, to get away that, with it. Yeah. That does make sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. guess so his mistake was going to IGN and doing it. Well, and it's also the thing you got to think about too, like how specific, like what are the, like how easy would it have been for the original uh, writer who worked with Boomstick Gaming to just have not read that IGN review. Yeah. And yeah, just seriously. not noticed. Right. You know? Like, that's probably what's been happening. It's just like, you read the Nintendo Life thing, so you didn't also read the IGN review, or you didn't also see his video because he was independent, or you didn't also read whatever small-time site he was working for before IGN picked him up. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, the uh, the ability to get away with something like this for this long is surprising, but it's also like you can understand how it might happen. Yeah. Well, it does make a little more sense. Yeah. With his exposure crossed over. I mean, I would, I I assumed it seems more connected, but like, you know, like if you did see one, you're probably not going to see the other. Yeah. So it's like, it does make more sense. Or, you know, you skimmed it, right? Like maybe you, you, you looked at IGN's review and you just scrolled down to the bottom to see the number and you didn't really, really read the the video. You didn't, yeah. There's so many things like that. There's so many ways that this could just slip through the cracks. And that speaks volumes about why, like, uh, like quote unquote IGN, right? Broader IGN isn't responsible for the fact that this fucking guy, they put their faith in a person who they thought was reliable, you know? And it's, and obviously he was just a fucking crook. And uh, I, my, my one hope, my, my one takeaway from this is just, uh, I hope that, I just hope he doesn't work in this industry again, you know? Like, I hope that there isn't somebody else willing to give him a shot, and that he doesn't have the YouTube audience to continue on his own, because he has, there's no business, there's no space for people who want to plagiarize, you know? It's like, there's so many people out there doing good work, or, you know, trying to break in and, and get that job at IGN, you know? Um, like the Game Ninja guy we mentioned earlier, right? Who are out there actually doing the work and not getting attention for it. And this guy had a great platform, had a great job, and could have realized this was his opportunity to actually start doing his fucking job and didn't. And he got caught. Good. This will haunt him for the rest of his career. There's no, 
there's no way he's able to continue working in this industry. No reputable website will ever hire him. He's not going to be able to find work. There are a lot of things you can get away with in this space. Plagiarizing is not one of them. And uh, nope, he's done. He's done in this industry. Mm-hmm. Yep, he lost all of his good faith. He has no- nothing left. And just the fact that more and more outlets are realizing, wow, what, I did not know this was like he took off of our work as well. Because now you got he stole from us too. Right now he was like, yeah, exactly. You dig, and then you find out that's another, even somebody bigger in Engadget also got ripped off as well, which is insane to think about. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the fact that he was able to get away with it for this long blows my fucking mind. But hey. Uh, you do stuff like this long enough, the internet catches up with you. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, and and like you said, Sean, this will follow him forever. And it should, you know? Um, he gambled and he lost. And, uh, you know, hopefully somebody better and more qualified takes his place. Uh, so I think that's gonna wrap up the conversation here on, uh, this episode of the Video Game Pals. If you guys wanna let us know what you think about the whole, uh, Philip Muchin IGN situation, you guys can let us know in the comments down below. Hit us up at the Video Game Pals at gmail.com or get us at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. And, uh, you know, we'll read your thoughts on the air next week. Uh, so before we get out of here, we're gonna do some plugs. Ed, bef- uh, you know, why don't you let the kids know where they can find you, where they can find the party nerds, all that of stuff. Of course, as always, uh, my personal um, social media is at Eddie Road Dog, uh, dog with two G's. I have some pictures from a convention I went to yesterday, um, this past weekend called Play NYC, which is an all indie game convention. So there's a lot of good games that were coming out of the uh, woodwork from all these nice, great indie developers. Games like Kung Fu Kickball was a lot of fun. Killer Queen Black, of course, which was spotlighted during Nintendo's E3. Got a chance to play that. That was a lot of fun, so I cannot wait for that to come out on Switch. Um, and as always, you can find us at The Party Nerds on Instagram and then just Party Nerds on every other um, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and our Twitch page as well. Um, so just check us out. Cool. Oh, and then uh, when do you guys go live? Like, when's the show? Yes, so um, we do have a podcast of our own, the Party Nerds Live podcast. Uh, Tuesdays at 6.45 p.m. We go live on wildfireradio.com. And, of course, you can also find us on iTunes uh, the next day after. There you go. All right. So, uh, Sean, how about you? Cool. So, if you want to hear more from me, you can always check out the Comics Pals, which posts the day before this. This week on the show, we are talking more about the James Gunn saga. Uh, We are talking more about Sony's plans for a universe of films based in the Spider-Man universe that do not star Spider-Man. And we are reviewing Fantastic Four number one. So, lots of good stuff going on in that realm. If you want to get me, otherwise, I am on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Soapbox. I will be in a hole for the next few weeks playing Battle for Azeroth. So... Don't expect me to reply to your tweets because <laughs> don't fucking at me, bro. I won't be on Twitter. <laughs> nope. He's off the grid. Andy. Okay, so you, if you want to chat with me about really anything, video games, comic books, whatever, I'm not on the Comics Pals, but I like F- Fantastic Four number one. You can find me over on Twitter at <laughs> Tiger underscore Millions. Um, and it's really the only place I'm on social media. <laughs> There you go. Thompson? 
I'm on Twitter at Relic Vampire, where I post memes and dumb things all day long because uh, that's my life. So uh, <laughs> if you ever want to see more of that junk, you know where to find that. I also do Pals Play with Pete because that's a fun time, and we are pals, and we play games. What a shock. So we were doing Detroit, and it's really great. Uh, we're, we're like probably halfway, I'm guessing, right now. And uh, eh, about half. Yeah. It's really yeah. starting to open up, and I'm starting to really just mess with the system. So uh, I can't wait to see how the Android revolution goes. <laughs> All right, and as for me, you can follow me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram, where you can talk to me about any of the stuff on this or any other program that we produce, or check out cute pictures of my cat and my many adventures. Uh, and then if you want to catch some more content from me, I'm on the Comics Pals with Sean, I'm on Pals Play with Thompson, and um, that's it for right now. So go go check out that stuff and uh, validate me. <laughs> and that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Video Game Pals. We will catch you all next week. See ya. Bye, everybody. Yes! Awesome.